0: Welcome in everybody to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy, with a broadcast partner from News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM WBBM. Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak, and joining us as well from SiriusXM NFL Radios, Moving the Chains, former Chicago Bears quarterback. That great 2001 season keeps ringing in my ears. Jim Miller, who predicted 13 and three way before the season began, and that's exactly what they finished going out of the playoffs before bowing out at Old Soldier Field before the new facility opened up. Jim, how you doing? And uh, you got your traveling shoes on, ready to roll?
1: Yeah, I'm ready. We we head out uh, next Tuesday, so I'll be gone for about a month, hitting about uh, 20 to 22 different camps. So looking forward to it. Just It's just good to to be back out on the field and just see guys going to work. I mean, that'll be just fun to be a part of again.
0: Tom, I know you're not a traveling man, but uh, it'd be kind of fun to take a dip <laughs> in to look at all 32 teams. Before you get the season started, you'd learn a heck of a lot.
2: Yeah, it would be. But I also look forward to going to Bears practice every day because it's incredible how you see the maturation process of a team from day one till the end of the football season that we have the luxury to see. So, you know, we've talked a lot about different subjects throughout the offseason. Now we're going to be talking about real football, real development, about the process of these young guys to see how they fit in and to see how these old guys are coming, not old guys, the uh, veterans are coming along in their career.
0: All right. We gotta uh, thank our producers, Jordan Treadup, Dan Barilli, Katie Tuber, helping us out, certainly the friends here at 670 The Score, our final show before the start of training camp. Later on in the program, we'll be joined by NFL.com writer Adam Rank from NFL Network and NFL.com. He'll join us to talk. He's a Bears fan, big Bears fan. We've got the weekend <laughs> arrival, Tom, of the rookies, quarterbacks, and rehabbing injured players. So the rookies kind of get a lay of the land a little bit, even though they had the the mini camp or the rookie mini camp. Uh, It is helpful to get a little pre-start. They won't be in pads by any means, but uh, what does that do for the young guys as they find out what the routine is going to be every morning up at Hallis Hall?
2: I don't know. I've heard it described as class on the grass, you know, because a lot of these guys need to be reintroduced to the information mentally, Because physically, I think all these guys have been going about their business at the normal pace that's expected of them. But when you're away from the mental part of the information that's played such an important role in your success, I think it's good for the rookies to have a couple days of uh, getting back in the classroom so they can get up
1: to speed.
0: Jim, with the new CBA rules that kicked in a few years back, do you feel this is an advantage for the rookies?
1: Well, I I think it puts more on the players. They have to do a lot of stuff on their on their own time, you know, because you're you're not getting the reps on the field that we we've talked about. But it, as Tom mentioned, it, it reintroduces the materials to these guys where they get a jump start before the uh, the veterans uh, come in. But you got to take advantage of the time you're away from the facility. You know, even though there'll be a training camp and they're kind of in a confined environment, even when they're not on the field, they got to have the, the wherewithal and the due diligence to constantly go over the material, do it as much as you, as you can until you finally understand it and you finally get it. So I think it puts more accountability on, on players that they've really, even though when their downtime is there, they've got to take advantage and take advantage of, of learning that this material that they're required to learn.
0: Tom, I just did an event the other night uh, in front of 25 bears fans. Uh, They were absolutely thrilled and excited about Justin Fields being a Chicago bear. And that's really all they wanted to talk about. And honestly, that's been the case the entire off season. And you can't fault fans for doing that. This is an exciting player and one that is going to develop and and be a franchise quarterback. uh, Everyone hopes for many, many more years to come, but, I tried to accentuate other big topics during uh, what is going to be a very intriguing training camp. And I can't get past a couple of positions. One is the offensive line, obviously, and we do feel it's going to be a much stronger offensive line with uh, the health returning to a player like James Daniels and Sam Mustafer being, uh, trying to continue to be a leader on that offensive line at the center position after being inserted during the season. Cody Whitehair steady, as always, But uh, Jermaine Effetti at right tackle to start the the training camp and at left tackle, Tevin Jenkins, the rookie out of Oklahoma State. And simply because it's a position that he is learning on the fly, essentially having just over 400 snaps in college and uh, nobody else on the roster right now with left tackle experience in an NFL game. So to me, that is a as big a story as anything. How do you feel about it?
2: You know, I also think that Matt Nagy drew a line in the sand. How many carries a game does he intend on getting for David Montgomery? What did he say, 20? And there's a couple of other running backs out there. So you see if these guys get eight to 12 carries a game. So now you're talking about 30, sometimes 30 plus. And I think that's what the offensive line wants to hear, Jeff. They want to hear that, listen, we're going to run the ball. We are going to be physical. We are going to make this offense move forward and compliment no matter what quarterback plays behind center, that if they can have a strong running game, it's going to help their passing game. So i like Matt Nagy taking over the play calling duties and coming out and saying that he has intentions to compliment David Montgomery, because I think Montgomery and the offensive line, Jeff, go hand in hand. You got to have one, to help the other, and I think it's uh David can help the offensive line as much as the offensive line can help David.
0: Hey, Big Jim, you're the quarterback. You're Andy Dalton. You're Justin Fields. You're Nick Foles. You're going to camp. You get, you get uh, the layout of the land from Matt Nagy on the first team meeting. This is what we're going to be. They start installing plays. If if they do stick to that run game and have that kind of desire to run the ball that many times, if you're Andy Dalton, you're Justin Fields, you're Nick Foles, and you are a former quarterback. How does that make you feel heading into the season?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, saying it and doing it are two different things. I think you have to stay committed. You know, you've got to follow through with it because I think we know game situations sometimes dictate that the, the run game can be taken out of it. You know, so even say if you're behind in a game, you can't panic. you got to have the, the wherewithal and the commitment that you've presented the the players that you're going to follow through on it. I mean, how many times do we see teams that say it and then they go into a game, bad things happen and then they abandon what they originally tried to do and just scrap the the game plan. So I think it's, you know, like what Tom said, the message is there that this is what we're going to do, but you have to follow up and have the commitment because the the play-action-pass game will play off of that so well, and it be, could be such a big part of the of the Bears' offense as long as they stick to running the football.
0: In a game, in your career, Jim, did you ever get to the sideline and say, Coach, we got to stay on the run? And you start to feel it. Slipping away. Everybody likes to throw the ball. Obviously, you're a QB, uh, but did you have any uh, a story about that when you actually made your case and they listened to you?
1: Yeah, I think uh, well, there's numerous times. I think we went in and played Philly one time, and uh, who was it? Chris Valerio. I think uh, he knew a certain run play was going to work, uh, and I remember he went over and. And told the, the coaches that, hey, if you call this play, this this is going to be there. And all it was was 26 duo. They felt that, you know, getting a, a double team on the nose tackle, uh, they, they felt that they could move them with ease. And with the strength of Olin and obviously the strength of Chris Valerio, that's, you know, over 700 pounds of beef coming at you. So all of a sudden the coaches listened. They paid attention. We started running that play and we started making hay in the run game. So you have to have that back and forth. Of, uh, you know, of, of really dialogue that the coaches believe in you as a player that certain things are going to work.
0: Tom, what game was that again? You ran the ball like 25 times in a row?
2: Well, we played the Indianapolis Colts uh, in that 85 season where we ran at the first 22 plays uh, to open up the game. And, you know, I've been a part of those types of games in my past where we knew that we had one st- play that was so strong But depending upon how the defense lined up, we could call it at the line of scrimmage. And we went that direction and we had about 250 yards rushing and we are super successful because of what the defense was offering us. So I I think sometimes you have to listen to the players as much as you want to sit there and look at your play sheet to
1: see what you think can work well. And I always bring up this, this example. When I was with Pittsburgh, we went out to, at that point, the Oakland Raiders. We had zero rushing yards at halftime. I mean, Coach Cowher said when we went into the game, he said, guys, don't be surprised if they, because they were shooting, penetrating defense back then. He said, they're going to get some tackles for loss, but we're going to stick with our game plan and have the wherewithal for four quarters to continue to run the football. The second half, Jerome Bettis rushed for 150 yards. It was just sticking with the run game. And the coach told us as a team, it's not going to look pretty at times, but we're going to stick with it and stick with it. We will wear them down, and this is how we're going to win the game. And that's exactly how it played out, and everybody believed in that plan.
0: That's Jim Miller, Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, and this is Bears All Access. Coming up next, NFL.com's Adam Rank will join the program. This is Bears All Access brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com because every good choice adds up to a better world. With Tom Thayer and Jim Miller from Sirius XM NFL Radio, moving the chains with Pat Kerwin. I'm Jeff Joniak, pleased to be joined by Adam Rank from NFL.com. You see him on NFL Network as well. He's got his hand in the fantasy pot. He does previews, and he did a great job for all 32 teams. Uh, state of the franchise for everybody. So, Adam, thank you so much for joining us. From LA, but before we begin the talk uh-huh. about the NFC North and your okay. thoughts on it, Bears fan, you are yeah. not shy about it, are you? <laughs> how this how this come about? Are you a Chicagoan? I, I don't know your entire background.
3: I yeah, you know what? I'm not sure or not shy. I should say about sharing my my fandom, and it really does come from my parents, who uh, who would be freaking out right now. I'm sitting here looking. I know this is an audio recording, but I'm looking at Tom and just thinking of my life and my parents and my uncles and everybody just loved the Chicago bears. And I was born in Schaumburg. Oh, sorry. Park Ridge. I don't want some Schaumburg, you know, somebody from Schaumburg getting upset and being like, no, the hospitals in Park Ridge, get it right. (laughs) But I, live. you know what? Like, I don't know. Cause now the suburbs are fighting. I don't know. There's a whole issue going on, but I didn't grow up in Chicago or in the Chicagoland area, but I still kept an allegiance to the bears Uh, mostly because we moved to Southern California and the team moved away. I did, I did live there long enough to be like, Hey, I sort of liked the Rams in 85 and then had to hear it from every member of my family. Like I'm a four-year-old and everybody's yelling at me. Like I was like, I'm Dieter Brock. Like, listen, I'm sorry. I was rooting for the local team, but uh, I do now uh, have fully embraced the Chicago bears and I've also made my children following that footsteps too. I said, I don't know if you're going to have a link to Chicago. And I think, I think this is a longer answer than you wanted. I'm always, I, I my kids, you know, they weren't born in Chicago. They're born out here, but I want them to have that kind of lineage. And I want to look back and, and seeing that, cause my dad put me in a Walter Payton Jersey when I was a kid, I am now making my kids put on bears jerseys instead of you know, I'm getting rid of the Cutler jerseys. I'm getting them Justin Fields jerseys. So that'll be a little bit better, but uh, it's just something that's now going to be a family tradition.
2: Well, you can always change that C on the Cutler jersey, turn it into a B, and it becomes a Butler, and you're right back in the 85 team. Um, uh, but, you know, you know I want to ask just real quickly about the division. You, need, you take in consideration every head coach in this, in this division. Give me the temperature of their seats at this point.
3: Well, I think uh, Lafleur is probably the safest, regardless what happens. So he's good. Uh, Dan Campbell is coming in brand new coach he's going to get an opportunity hopefully a couple of years to try to prove himself it is a little I don't know you can take it one of two ways of having Anthony Lynn on your staff number one it's good if you're an inexperienced head coach it's always good to have somebody on your staff who has been in that role previously who can help guide you along and kind of you know knows what it's like to call a timeout in an NFL game I do believe that he's going to get a unless it's a complete disaster And they would turn to Anthony Lynn, but I think that he's going to get a little bit of, of run. Mike Zimmer of course has been there a long time with the Minnesota Vikings. It seems like every other year, the Minnesota Vikings are competitive. It's a real, it's kind of like, you're walking by a roulette table and it's like one red, one black, one red, one black. I don't know. This is their odd year. This is the year that Mike Zimmer is supposed to be good. Of course he's got his son as the assistant defensive coordinator. Kubiak's son is the offensive coordinator. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out cuz at some point it feels like Mike Zimmer needs to stretch together some consistency.
1: Adam, since you just wrote about the the state of all 32 franchises, what is the state of the Green Bay Packers? Mm-hmm. And it could be two states. One where Aaron Rodgers does show up, one where Aaron Rodgers doesn't show up. That could be the state of those fran- that franchise.
3: That was it was there was a lot of glee in my heart writing about the possibility of Aaron Rodgers uh, moving on from Green Bay and what it would be like and what, what everything would, you know, how, how the world would be different without Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Cause I think those fans are a little too spoiled. You know, these 30 year old millennials who've never experienced what it's like to go through a season without a franchise, without a hall of fame quarterback. It's not even like having a franchise quarterback. You've had two of the best quarterbacks of all time guys who are probably in the top 10, of all time. And it's, you know what, it's a, it's a, it's a weird world. You don't know what it's like. And so I also look at this too, because the Milwaukee Bucks just won the NBA championship. And I don't know if this is going to be some sort of monkey's paw situation where some kid had found the monkey's paw in a flea market in Milwaukee and then wished for a Bucks championship, not knowing that it's going to set off a chain of events that would include, you know, Aaron Rodgers being dealt, to the Las Vegas Raiders or something. Actually, I don't want him to go to Las Vegas because that would mean Derek Carr would come into the division. I'm like, I don't want you to have a good quarterback. I want you to try Jordan Love. You stick with the quarterback that you thought was going to be better than Aaron Rodgers or the heir apparent. You should have to wear that. So I'm I'm looking forward to see how that plays out because these Packer fans sure seem to think that they're this great model organization. Oh, we're so they always feel like they're the L.A. Lakers of the NFL. And I'm like, bro, you're the Mavericks. You had a generational talent and you have one title to show for it. And I know you can come in and make fun of me. We have one title since 85, a hell of a title, by the way. Um, I'll take that. If you asked me, I don't know. And my dad used to always talk. This is one of my dad's running jokes. And I'm sorry that I'm going to share it with you. He's like, you know, he's like, he really, my, my dad was convinced that somebody asked a Bears fan, do you want to have a string of Super Bowls or do you want to have the greatest team of all time? And that person chose greatest team of all time. So if that's, if that's what you're trying to come back at me with, it's like, oh, look at you. You had the greatest team ever, ever in football history. Because there's no debate about that. It's ridiculous. But um, I would love to see the Packers have to wallow in this and find out what it's like to go into a season where your quarterback's not going to bail you out all the time. Because that's the biggest thing. It's like, you're always able to be bailed out. Like Aaron always pulls You know what? You guys do... You know, irresponsible things, and Aaron always bails you out. And I want to see this. I want to see you live life like me for a change.
1: Well, the network needs to send you to the shareholders meeting next week to ask all the tough <laughs> questions. That's what needs to be done, Adam. I would
3: love that. Yeah, let's do it. I would. I would happily <laughs> make. I would happily make that journey.
0: Adam Rank, NFL.com writer and big star at NFL Network, joining the program with Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, Jeff Joniak. Our remaining moments with adam so you're in the fantasy game as well we have so many fantasy football players out there uh I, I don't play i know tom definitely doesn't play tom's not even on social media jim i don't know if you're doing it but uh okay. if you get to pick your top uh fantasy players on the bears headed in here to the 2021 season who are you circling
3: well number one i love david montgomery and i love when matt nagy was talking about getting the ball to him 20 times per game and it's always good when coaches say that i know that Matt, Matt, I call him like, like I'm his best friend. I feel so stupid, like Jeff. I'm so sorry. I feel like this is where it really I get exposed as some sort of fraud. But I really like that Matt Nagy was mindful that he needs to get the ball into the hands of David Montgomery. I think that he's shown himself to be a dynamic back. I think, as you said on NFL Network the other day, the left tackle position and rebuilding this offensive line is going to be go hand in hand with how good David Montgomery can be. And when you have a young quarterback, and whether it's Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, I think that that running game is going to be very important. And I hope to see Montgomery get those opportunities. He was fantastic down the stretch. I think we finally got to see David Montgomery fully operational. You know, it, it, had, been a, it had been a, it had been a, you know, it had been a, like a Dodge Charger that had been in the garage for so long. And they're finally out, you know, the guy's driving it in the neighborhood. And you're like, that's a sick car. Yeah. Love seeing that. We should see more of that this season. So I think he should be the number one guy. Allen Robinson, of course, is fantastic. I will continue to contend that he's a top five wide receiver in this league. Fantasy, reality, whatever it is, I love Allen Robinson. But we also love Darnell Mooney. And I really, you know, I think it really was me. I think if you trace this back, Jalen Ramsey being mad at Darnell Mooney this offseason really does stem from me and a comment that I made on Instagram. So I apologize for that, but I'm not going to apologize for being so bullish on the ability of darnell mooney and what he's going to be able to do this season and you know what i'll play that clip over and that's it yeah people make fun of me for that too like oh the best part of your season was darnell mooney beating jalen ramsey and i'm like yeah pretty much was yeah that was that was the highlight that's fine like i don't like i i can admit like you know what the season didn't work out quite like i had wanted it to but yeah that was uh, that was one of our highlights so i'm gonna be proud of that so i love those guys and i hope that cole Komet can uh, take a step forward. We love tight ends in this, in this chiefs derivative offense. And I think Cole Komet, is a pretty good player. You know, I, it's, it's funny to me again, like you guys know this as well as anybody like tight end is a tough position to learn. And it is probably, especially for fantasy football, it's the one that takes the most time to come in and really grasp. Cause I think it was uh, Greg Olson who was talking about it. This, by the way, the Greg, If you get me started on the Greg Olson trade, sorry, no, no, that's not what you're asking, but I will say. We don't have enough
0: time for that.
3: Dang it. Um, (laughs) But he was talking about how difficult it is to make the transition into the NFL and Cole coming in last year in a COVID limited off season and now getting a full, full workload. I think he's going to be fantastic. So I'm really optimistic about some of these bears players in uh, fantasy football. Hey, Adam,
2: I want to go back to Green Bay for a second because, okay, we heard a lot about, oh, they offered Aaron Rodgers the the most money for an extension that they could possibly give him and a quarterback. He doesn't want to be there for five years, but what does that tell Jordan love that we don't believe in you that you're even close to being ready because we're willing to keep Aaron Rodgers for five more years, or was it just kind of, you know, shooting
3: up in the air and hoping they, they hit a bird as it flew by. <laughs> maybe a little of column a maybe a little of column b i really love the fact that there's a lot of people in this world who would say things like you couldn't pay me enough money to live in milwaukee or green bay aaron Rodgers is going out there and actually putting his money where his mouth is like yeah that's exactly right like you couldn't pay him enough to live there apparently i do believe though tom you hit the nail right on the head with this is sort of a vote of no confidence For Jordan Love like you drafted him as a developmental prospect and you know maybe it's a little unfair to say that he's not ready right now When is he going to be ready like how long is it going to take him to make that transition to the NFL because we've seen some of these other quarterbacks come in and immediately pay off and uh Patrick Mahomes you know took one year off and then he was ready to go and I think that's the player that he gets compared to a lot so he had a full season, he's behind it. You you've you've seen him in practice. That's the thing. Is like you've seen him in practice. You've made the assessment. And if you've made the decision that he's not going to be ready for the next 5 years, then why were you even drafting this player? So that's that's a tough one.
0: All right, Adam, uh you are highly entertaining. <laughs> Uh, you a, a wordsmith, and you took too much food. of
3: your time, is what
0: you're trying to say. <laughs> no,
3: you're <laughs> you outstanding. Probably had, you had 10 questions, you got the three. I'm so sorry. Right. About, hey, I'm so we, excited. I can't. We, I see these faces. I'm too excited. I can't control. I saw you on NFL Network, and I was like, oh my God. I'm like trying to tell the producer, like, tell Jeff I said hi. And they're like, Adam, please shut up. Like, let him do something. Like, okay.
0: <laughs> hey, we'll have you on again, Adam. Uh, great job, and uh, have a great 2021 season. Appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I loved every second. Thanks, Adam. Back with more on Bears All Access here on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy The Score. Race anywhere, anytime. Register for the PNC Bears Virtual Five K and Kids Dash and make a difference. Sign up ChicagoBears dot slash five k with Tom Fair, Jim Elder, Jeff Joniak. I know Tom smiling, Jim. You guys want to <laughs> run with me? We're gonna do the kids five k. We end new okay. body parts for crying out loud. New hips, new knees. We're ready to roll. Well, vir-
2: I know virtually at least you can make the you can make the finish line in that race. I don't know about physically, but virtually you
0: can. <laughs> yeah, I got some aches and pains, but I can pull it off. That's that's for sure. All right, fellas, let's uh, let's break down some other uh, camp battles. We talked about the the offensive line on our first segment. I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball and and talk about that cornerback position because obviously Jalen Johnson is ready to take off in his second year, healthy, ready to go. I like his demeanor. I like his attitude. It was never too big for him last year, but then it's going to be a battle for both that inside slot and the outside cornerback position. So let's take a look at it. We're going to start with Jim and there's a lot of different names there with varying degrees of experience or what they're coming off of Desmond Trufant rough year in Detroit comes here. A lot of experience. If he can get back to his form of being a a guy who makes plays on the ball, that would be big. Uh, Artie Burns had a chance last preseason was not able to stay healthy and then you got Kendall Vildor who uh, got a lot of attention during the, the veteran mini camp, you know, corners with confidence, played other talent. He played with a lot of confidence during the mini camp.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, well, Kendall, he got his feet uh, wet last year, got in so, some playing time. You're right. You've got two veterans there and already Burns and Desmond Trufant, Desmond, uh, Uh, certainly has the most experience of all of them. But as we know, uh, uh, father time catches up with everybody and can he stay healthy uh, for an entire uh, season? The guys that are behind him, Artie Burns, Duke Shelley, Kendall Vidor have played. There's just not a lot of, uh, uh, not a lot of, um, what should I say, you know, in terms of their amount of time that they played. So those are ascending players. Duke Shelley, I thought at times, did some good things last year, especially in the inside at the nickel spot uh, when uh, Buster Screen went down. And Kendo Vidor, th- for me about Kendall, I think he's got all the skills. I'd like to see how much he's grown physically. For me, when I thought the Bears, uh, you know, picked him, he'd had to get spend a little time in the weight room and just beef up a little bit. So he could uh, uh, really compete with the rigors of football. Cause his frames, not as big as some other players, but if he's done his due diligence, he'll have an opportunity to, to show his wares. But I think they will be ready with the guys that they have up front that'll help him out in terms of the pass rush where they're not covering all day.
2: You know, Jim, you said it. I think it's the guys up front to me. I, I, Concern more about Robert Quinn and what he can do up front to be able to help the defensive backs in the back end. If you really don't have significant pass pressure and you're asking these cornerbacks, defensive back, nickel corners to cover for more than three seconds, I think it's almost a losing battle. I think if Robert Quinn can come up here and accentuate the play of Lyle Nichols and how much that he's improved last year, you know what you can get out of a key mix, you know what you can get out of Khalil. And then you have a group of other guys on the interior helping out that defensive line. If that defensive line can push the urgency of the quarterback up to about that two second mark before he's thinking about getting rid of the ball, that's, what's going to help the defensive back. So again, I I like the selection of guys that you have in the defensive backfield. I think we need more of a selection of guys up front to be able to complement the rushers. But a lot of it is going to be if Robert Quinn can show up like he's he's demonstrated in the history of his career that he can play at that level.
0: And that is true. uh, But when the quarterback's getting rid of the ball so quickly now in in today's NFL, those guys really have to be ready. And I look at that slot position because it's a difficult one. You, You have to cover everybody and you have to defend the run and you have to be a smart player and you have to be physical and you have to stay healthy. Bears had a really good one in Bryce Callahan. Could not stay healthy here. He has not been able to stay healthy throughout his stay in Denver either, but he's regarded as one of the best slot corners in the NFL. Jim, uh, that position from a quarterback's eyes uh, on the other side of the ball, how significant is it that they find the right guy for that spot?
1: Yeah, because a lot of times nickel has kind of become the base defense. Teams will go out there on first and second down, and they'll be in a three-wide package, which is going to force that nickel back uh, on the field. It's just that's the way the game has evolved. And as as Tom would refer it to, say, a pass rusher, you don't want a pass rusher to have a two-way go. So imagine you're on an island there in the slot on a receiver. What does that receiver have? A two-way go. So you've got to be pretty savvy about how you are as a player to really maybe force a one-way go, where you don't allow them, say, to have an inside release or an outside release, depending on the down or distance. So I think you gotta be a really savvy player as well as have the athletic ability and be cat quick for all those reasons that I just mentioned.
2: One thing I liked about Buster Screen over the last couple of years is how efficiently and how aware he was at the line of scrimmage playing and helping in the run game. You can't have these guys thinking one dimensional on a, on a retreat step and go backwards. You gotta be able to read the line of scrimmage as efficiently as you're covering uh, pass
0: routes. And in the uh, different dime packages that we've seen over the years, from Vic Fangio to uh, last year with Coach Pagano, I think Sean Desai is going to be pretty creative. He's got DHC still in the mix there uh, to help out third safety position. Uh, Tom, let's look a little deeper into the defensive line. And and I'm just going to consider the two outside linebackers a part of that bunch because I still think it's highly regarded around the league. Uh, If they play to their potential, they could be devastatingly good. And and that's what we're looking for. And the return of Eddie Goldman, it looks like that that is going to happen. He's going to be back. He's going to be at camp. It's, it's said to be that he's, he's hungry and ready to go. Got to see it though. And when they get the pads on and see where it goes, but that to me is a, is a, is a big addition to the mix as well. But you know, you look at the 18 team, the defense was so good. Well, Nichols, you know, was not that guy just yet. He flashed. Jonathan Bullard is the guy he beat out. They were counting on a Jonathan Bullard, but, I I think there's a chance it could be if they play to their potential and stay healthy, an even better defensive line. Uh, Leonard Floyd had four sacks that year. I mean, if you're saying what you say about Robert Quinn, I mean, if he gets back and rolling and is healthy, it could be a really big story for the defense and Sean Desai.
2: Yeah. And I I think what Blau Nichols has been able to do the last couple of years and how much improvement he's shown with the willingness and the ability to play on the inside, but probably being more effective on on the outside. I think he's the type of guy that can attract so much attention like Hakeem does on the other side that it can help Khalil or this can help Robert Quinn. Uh, Mario Edwards Jr. played really well in the snaps that he got. And he's going to have to you know, show the same presence that he did last year on the defensive line. So, again, a lot of us, we have our fingers crossed for Eddie Goldman because we wish the best for him individually as the player we've seen him be able to develop into. Now, if he comes out here with a great attitude and all of a sudden he's attracting double team attention on the inside, it only kind of opens up those outside guys to have less, less bodies, less hands at them. So it is going to be a team effort. And I can't wait to see how Sean Desai puts these pieces in place initially to take advantage of what he assumes is the opponent's vulnerabilities.
0: Travis Gibson also, Jeremiah Tachu, adding to that mix as well, looking for further development of that defensive front. Jim, with Tom mentioning Sean Desai, we all know him very well. I, I, I do think you could uh, be safe to say that he is uh, not only super smart, but if things go well and he is the play caller that we think he is, this could be a rising star defensive coordinator in the national football league as a young guy, but do you feel he is equipped to get the best out of the safety Eddie Jackson? They Jackson respects him a great deal, loves how he thinks and that, that is a very important relationship, and you could dare say one of the most important relationships between a coach and a player on this team for 2021. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I think Eddie's he's, he's a quote-unquote quarterback of that, of that secondary. He's um, uh, going to be disseminating a lot of uh, information uh, to the other players that are out there, so you have to have the ability to c- communicate. And you've got, again, you got to trust the plan of the coach and have that back and forth that uh, Sean will be listening to, to Eddie as well of what he's seeing on the, on the field and how it's unfolding. So, but I always go back to this, every coach, we have tendencies, you know, so we'll have to see, you know, how, how, how are things going to be called differently than say Chuck Pagano or say Vic Fangio, you know, Sean's going to put his own fingerprint on this defense, whether it's, you know, a, a third and short situation or a goal line situation, or maybe a third and long Maybe he likes to blitz more to force the, uh, the offense to, to side adjust and then he rally up and make a tackle. Um, things like that. I think that's really where you need to see where, where Sean Desai is going to go as a play caller. We have yet to see it yet, so I, I think it uh, remains to be seen what's out there and how it's going to unfold.
0: And that's how teams are looking at the Bears. They don't quite know exactly what Sean Desai is going to be. That's Jim Miller. Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak. Let's take a break here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy. Visit athletico.com to request an appointment in clinic or virtually and start feeling better tomorrow. With Tom Thayer and Jim Miller, I'm Jeff Joniak here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score brought to you by IGS Energy. Uh, fellas, uh, meet the rookies. Always a popular production of the Bears broadcasting department. You can catch it on ChicagoBears.com and the Bears YouTube channel, and airing Saturday night on Fox 32 at 9:30 30 p.m. Uh, the featured attractions: Justin Fields, Tevin Jenkins, and Khalil Herbert, the sixth-round running back. Here's a snippet of what Fields says in the show
1: a quarterback everybody on the team is gonna look up to you you know when things are going good um, and of course when things are going bad so everybody's gonna look at you uh, your body language uh, how you carry yourself i'm definitely uh ready i think you know if there was you know anybody in this drive class that was ready for this position um I, I think there was nobody else but me to be honest with you i've just been groomed you know for this moment my uh, whole life
0: and he has from a high school star to georgia to ohio state the amount of plays the big games the amount of games played his skill set his speed his size his intelligence his uh, poise frankly uh, from what we saw in the in the few snaps we did during minicamp uh but Most of all, and it comes out of the piece, Tom, is his humility. And that is coming from his parents on down to him. Staying humble is a great place to be when you're a professional football player, especially at the quarterback position, to draw the attention of everybody else on the roster.
2: You know, I always look at guys that transfer. And when they transfer to a program that's big, do a transfer to a program that's equally as big as maybe a little bit bigger, then how do you succeed? And Justin did everything that was asked of him. And that tells me a lot about a player because there's other guys that have gone to a, a division one school and then went down a division or two. They had a good career because of a Joe Flacco, but here's Justin Fields going from a big program to one equally as big. So I like to, when, you know, it's like a poker player, you're betting on yourself, man, you're going all in. And I believe in my hand and I believe what I'm going to be able to accomplish. And he went out and did exactly that. That's why the scouting and the people that admired the talent that he brought to the table became enamored with him. because here's a guy that left a program and came to another one and took charge and was equally as successful as he bet on himself to be.
0: Jim, you're going to get a thousand fans a day. Max at Hallis Hall for the first time, fans at a training camp in that facility. It's going to be fun and hear all the, all the uh, the clamor of the fans and their excitement about it. If you were to give them a, a guide to what to watch at the quarterback position during this particular camp with Andy Dalton and Justin Fields and Nick Foles taking snaps, what would that guide take their eyes to? What do you, what do you suggest they look at with these three?
1: Yeah, I, I think, well, you can definitely tell how a quarterback holds on to the football, that he's not processing information. You know, as Tom mentioned, there's a timing aspect of it where you go back, whether it's a three-step, five-step, seven-step drop, you hitch and you throw the ball. That ball should be coming out uh, pretty quickly. And if it's not doing – if a quarterback is not doing that, it tells you that they're not processing the information quickly enough, i.e. the coverage, whether it's a blitz, uh, so forth like that. So when that ball comes out with timing and rhythm – you, you'll know that a quarterback is, is growing and doing his job uh, from that standpoint, handoffs or are, are handoffs. I think we understand that. But if, if the ball isn't coming out in a certain allotted amount of time, I think, you know, that that's something's amiss there at the quarterback spot.
0: When you're listening to callers or even talking to guests about the, the, the incoming class, because they get a lot of attention all the way up to and through training camp, especially the big names like a Justin Fields, what are you hearing on, on your show? But what are they? What are they? Is everyone the same on Justin Fields right now?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think everybody's pretty high on Justin Fields. You know, it's just for him. There's not a big sample size, as Tom mentioned. He transfers into Ohio State, and he's really a a two-year starter, so he hasn't reached that. You know, that thirty start uh, thirty start threshold uh, that really Bill Parcells has always talked about that he would never want to draft a quarterback who didn't have at least thirty starts uh, from college. I think teams. Try to dive in differently now, because we know with the the situations that that's unfolded, sometimes that's just not going to be the case. As Tom mentioned, a kid will transfer uh, one from one school to another, and maybe he's only a one year starter. So you got to be able to dive deeper into the intangibles about a quarterback. But as far as Justin Fields, nothing but positives is what I've heard.
0: And another player featured in Meet the Rookies, a left tackle out of Oklahoma State, Tevin Jenkins.
2: Personally, right now next step for me is to add more grit and more grind into my daily aggression you know like how I attack the day and uh you know like everybody's been saying like I keep on hearing about it you know stacking days you know it's just about getting better every day and then have a good day have a better day the next day and keep on doing that.
0: Tom does he have it figured out there in terms of the plan for training camp as he uh, embarks on this journey a unique journey for anybody making the switch and uh being at this level against that defense every day. Any other advice you'd give Tevin Jenkins being the man you that, know, just, you are, that you were in it as a player? Just make sure you understand the
2: information as well as what we expect Justin Fields to understand it. Because again, you Jeff, we talk about it all the time. You cannot go to the line of scrimmage thinking you've got to go to the line of scrimmage, knowing what your assignment is against any defense you can face. If you create any hesitancy within your game as a left tackle, because of your thinking at the line of scrimmage, you're going to get beat and you're going to jeopardize the entire offense. So, look, we have to have a little bit of patience with Tevin. You're not going to go out there and see an all-pro left tackle from day one, but I think you'll see a different left tackle one week into it, two weeks into it, and then when the season gets, starts, it gets underway.
0: And in general, with, with that being said, the players coming back from injury, everybody wants to hurry up and get better. Everyone wants to be able to be back to hundred percent. What advice to both of you guys and, and do this in a minute, if you can't each uh, that you would give players in terms of, of getting on the field when they might see something slipping away from them, a starting job or a place on the roster. Cause there's a, there's a handful of guys that are in that position.
2: Well, I- I think you got to trust that the work that you've put into it, there was an off season where I had back surgery in the off season. And then you had to cr- create that trust within yourself in what's expected of you. Once you get ready to play. And I think all these guys, they kind of gain that trust as they go through the rehabilitation process and understanding what's going to be expected of them. Once they put shoulder pads and a helmet on.
1: Jim? Yeah. I think there's different varying de- degrees, you know, it's, like we always say, there's a, there's a difference between, between being hurt and injured. And as Tom said, you got to trust not only the, the trainers and the information they're giving you in terms of the plan of your recovery and, and what you're trying to do to, to get back on the field. And you've also got to trust yourself. You, you know how your body feels and what you can play through and what you can't play through. And that you need to, to heal up a little bit more to understand that, oh, okay, I feel confident now. I'm ready to get back on the field and, and, and play my best. But there are other things that you know as a player that you can fight through, and it would be just a matter of time. But you're still able to go out there and get things done that you need to get done. A
0: couple of the key players will keep an eye on. Daz Newsome, not sure what uh, his availability will be with a broken collarbone during the uh, rookie minicamp. And also Tariq Cohen as he works his way back from a torn ACL. All right, more to come. Last segment ahead for Jim Miller and Tom. There, I'm Jeff Joniak on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The Score. See your 2021 Chicago Bears at Soldier Field for the first time this season. Get tickets for the Meyer Bears Family Fest at ChicagoBears.com. That's coming up on August 3rd. Fans will be it's during the week, and it'll be interesting to see a lot of fans who cannot get to Halas Hall, or didn't win the lottery to get there, will be at Soldier Field, and uh, that's always a fun time and a good practice. All right, remaining moments, fellas. Real quick, uh, an interesting thing done by Pro Football Reference. They went back to the 1960 season, and you know sacks were not a thing until 1981. But it meant that they looked at the tape. Jim Osborne would have had 15 sacks in 76. Willie Holman, 14 and a half in 79. Wally Chambers, 14 in 1975. That's just below Richard Dent's 17 and a half and 17, the all-time records. Uh, But That's an interesting exercise, and uh, I think it's important, too, and I would have loved to know what Deacon Jones's numbers would have been. I can't wait to to find that out, but uh, a guy like Jim Osborne, uh, Tom, his number uh, really jumped to 81 sacks, and for that matter, so did Dan Hampton's to 82. Just some thoughts on
2: that. Jim Osborne was a great defensive tackle. You know, he was kind of ahead of his time. He was a, a combination of a guy like, big, thick, strong on the inside like Steve McMichael. He was able to be absorb heavy-duty double teams at that time where you could hold a player up top and you could chop his knees out from underneath him. So I think Ozzie, Jim Osborne, has all the respect in the world as one of the premier defensive linemen, defensive tackles in football throughout his time.
0: Jim, different topic. Roquan Smith, uh, the inside linebacker position and the linebacker position in general. I think it got everybody's attention with Fred Warner's big $95 million deal in San Francisco. Roquan's going to get an extension, but uh, as a player that knows what's going on and what happens next with uh, the, the Indianapolis Colts, uh, a great linebacker, Darius Leonard, what's it all mean?
1: Yeah, I think uh, we all know the 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 cap's going to start going up again. And, you know, these crazy numbers are coming out there. And if Roquan can continue to play, like play, I thought he played at an all pro level last year, and that's no offense to Bobby Wagner. That's how well Roquan played in, in my opinion. So, yeah, I think the, the Bears know it's going to come at a, at a heavy cost.
0: All right, we're out of time, fellas. Appreciate it. We'll see you at training camp, Jim, in a few weeks. And now uh, thank you for everything you did this off season as well. For Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, I'm Jeff Joniak. Thanks to Jordan Treadup, Dan Brilli, and Katie Tuber and the folks at The Score. That'll do it for us tonight. Talk to you from training camp on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.